Welcome to episode 715 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Rightio, team, welcome along to episode 715 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Pretty good, Bevan, and yourself? I see you've got a bit of red eye. I haven't actually looked at that. I was, Thomas walked in this morning and he said, what the hell's up with your eye? Be yeah. smoking gonna... marijuana in the morning, mate. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I am indeed. Ah, the joys of lockdown. You can see me, but I don't know what you're looking at. In, in lockdown, are you getting up early or are you, are you sleeping in more? What's, what's, what's happening? I'm mixing it up, Bevan. Mixing it up. I'm not not my consistent five a. Normally it's five a.m. every day, but at the moment I'm I'm mixing it up. What's the What's the latest? When you're being a rebel, when Newsom's being a rebel, what is it? Six forty-five is about as far oh, as I can push oh, it yeah, out. <laughs> Seven o'clock. Oh, that, that's 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 call the doctor time. Call the doctor. Uh, I talk is proudly brought to you by our patrons. Let's name a few, Jombo. Jimmy, no, Jeremy, the Arrow Ramirez, Ramine. Ramine. We've got Andrew, you can keep your hat on, Sega. And Neil, don't push me too far, Cooper. Oh, don't push me too far. Don't push me because I'm close to the edge. Team, in this week's show, we've got news, we've got Hot Topic of the Week, we've got Pro of the Week. We've got Webster of the Week, we've got Winger of the Week, we've got lots, everything. Of, lots of the week, but more importantly, we've got a great interview with a guy called Dr. Brad Cooper. Tell me about him, John. Yes, so it's not Brad Cooper from uh, The Hangover, and uh, no. I'm sure he gets that every single time he does sort of interviews. And we're going to be talking about mental toughness. He's a, he's a triathlete, uh, he's done right across America, um, but he's also an academic as well and uh, specialises in the area of mental toughness. And then we've got a few questions and answers at the end. Jumbo, not much is happening in racing side, but Zwift seems to be doing a lot of racing. And, and you put, so go to the YouTube and look up Swift Live and watch some races. So I actually watched the race, which was called the Z Pro Tri Race Series from about, when was this? Probably it was last, last week. Yeah, I went and watched it. And um, it, it's good to have on the background exactly exactly yeah. you're exactly right um so there's a crap load of racing and, and i have these with races on uh, as you said in the background when i'm riding um what typically is happening if you haven't watched one before a lot of the time it does stay together and comes down to it's just cool. just towards the finish which is to be cycle honest it's, it's cycle racing yeah, yeah. um you know i'm sure they're gonna this is going to evolve and they'll have some more um mountainous ones where it'll go on for longer and that's where things may unfold but typically the racing is fairly short sharp and punchy uh so yeah there's something to have on in, in the background uh but some triathletes especially seem to be doing an awful lot of racing and lionel sanders being uh number one because now there's the triathletes uh league and i'm not sh- quite sure how often they're going to be racing um, uh, you can race for teams, so you may get team money potentially, um, but I'm not aware of that at this stage there being actually any money okay. uh, because it is pretty easy if you wanted to fudge it and uh, yeah. and, and play you know, fiddle the numbers a bit. But I'm sure the teams probably are paying their riders um, because uh, gives them some exposure as well. So Lionel Sanders rides for the on the Canyon team, uh, so yeah, it's something to have on the background. Um, it's something that's going to evolve and. 
And uh, But, yeah, there's a lot of racing because there's the classic races, which, for example, Lionel Sanders is doing. Um, there's also now the Triathletes League, which uh, Lionel Sanders is doing along with triathletes only. Then, for example, in New Zealand, we have uh, Triathlon New Zealand League, which um, the likes of Hayden Wilde is doing those ones as well. So the potential to be racing, you know, two to three times a week is quite high. Uh, so hopefully these athletes don't blow, blow themselves out. Um, but it's uh, something good to have uh, on in the background. The one I watched, Sanders went for the sprint. You go, he's got this, the Sanders. And he got popped at the line by good old Jimmy Korsh, Kershaw, tell you. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, that was an interesting little finish, that one. Um, then on the other side of it, we've also got Ruthie racing on um, as well, which is another platform that Ironman have teamed up with. Um, I haven't really watched much of it. They're basically having four athletes going head-to-head over the, the designated distance of the week. Um, this week, Lisa Norden took it out, along with Jesper Svensson on the men's side. They raced over, I think it was about, around about one hour or so. Uh, so it's basically basically just TTing, head-to-head TTing. So not as interesting really for me, but no. they are doing live coverage of it. But I think, again, it's stage one and what could evolve to being something different a little bit further down the track. Well, it's interesting. If you, I've just got the YouTube clip that I watched this morning as I was kind of doing the work in the background. Um, 48,000 views, which is pretty decent. Now, YouTube views are pretty debatable about how they actually measure them. Not many people are probably watching the whole hour 15, but you know that, that's, that's not a bad clip. What would get me more interested is if they have a lot more than four going at a time. If they have, say, 20 pros going at one time, then I think it might be a bit more interesting and, and interactive. Um, one of the challenges they face is if they want to get all the big kahunas on there, you know, the likes of Fredino, Lucy Charles, etc. They uh, a lot of them are aligned with Zwift as well, so trying to get them to go and ride on another platform oh, do, might be Do they get like, sponsored by Zwift? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, oh, so yeah. you know, when you go into Zwift, you you see uh, often see Lucy Charles um, in, in terms of their promotional material, and likewise with with Jan Fredino. So um, yeah, uh, so that that might be a challenge. But hey, it's filling a bit of a space at the moment, a bit of a void, so it's all good. Um, the other interesting thing that a lot of you will have seen come out this week, which was uh, which I found fairly entertaining, was that they have the new uh, Iron Man virtual reality sort of events for age group athletes, which I don't know why they produce results for it um, but it's a nice little challenge and that's what I like about it so last weekend it was a, a sprint distance duathlon they've had an Olympic distance I think this weekend coming in is Olympic distance duathlon so you basically go and um, do the distance and then you, it, it automatically uh, gets synced to your Ironman virtual reality account providing you have all your um, syncing set up and most people well, not most a lot of people myself included had that done via Strava um, um, and so, you know, when your activities go into Strava, then it pushes it straight to the Ironman uh, platform and your information is updated. Now, what Strava did, and this is certainly not the first time they've do, do, done this, this week they cut that off. And so you have to go and do it uh, in another means, which is just a few extra clicks, etc., cetera, to, to make it happen. Um, but Strava came out with the email saying that Ironman's platform is, is uh, not reliable and, and, and sort of basically they're not adhering to Strava's sort of uh, terms and conditions. So they cut that off. Then Ironman came back with another email saying Strava's all wrong and our systems are all fine. It was a, quite oh, a tip really? tap, quite entertaining. So, because Strava did it to Relive recently, didn't they? Relive. It did, yeah. Yeah. And now that's back on, isn't it? Uh, no, not to my knowledge, oh, okay. but it, it may be, but I, I, not to my knowledge. Because I, I, I haven't used Relive in a long time, but I got an email 
<clears throat> from them saying, help save us, we're dying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. yeah. Big so, brother. When you're, when you're, well, it's quite funny, really, because Iron Man's no longer the big player in this one. Exactly. So yeah. for, for, for those of you that are, um, did have this and you're going, how the hell can I do this? Because you can't um, link your Zwift, for example, and in directly into the Ironman platform. The way to do that is to link Zwift to Garmin, if you've got Garmin or whatever other device you use, and then link Garmin into Ironman. So it's sort of a bit of a two-pronged approach if you do want to ensure your information goes up there. Good times. We've got, we've got a segment. It's called John's News. Here we go. It's not just it's not John's ITU update. It's just John's. What's it? What's him with the eye? Well, exactly. It's uh, it's just a one item of news. That if you're on Facebook, you will have seen this. But I've got a group going to be doing the Uber Pretzel on Zwift this weekend, um, which is going to be good timing if you're in New Zealand. We have got a number of people in the UK that are going to be having a bit of a late Saturday night. But the Uber Pretzel in Zwift is their longest ride. Um, so to give you an example, it's probably going to take me in the region of sort of uh, five and a half hours to complete this um, ride. It's uh, it takes in all the big mountain climbs on Zwift. It's 128.3 kilometres, but it's got a whopping 2,335 metres of climbing. Mm. Uh, so you, you start off by going over a climb that takes ballpark half an hour, depending on um, how, how fast you sort of push it. And then the final climb of the day, you go up Alpe de Zwift, which is the equivalent of riding up Alpe d'Huez. It's basically exactly the same. Uh, so lots of climbing throughout the ride. So we're going to do it as a group ride. Um, I've already got about probably about 50 odd people, I think, doing it. Um, so if you are keen, you need to get in touch with me and, uh, and then I can invite you into the session and we'll hopefully have a few groups rolling along, an A, a B and a C group. And uh, those rides, when I first went on to Zwift, um, it's like for me, any of the all the platforms are much the same. I find, you know, whether I'm riding on Zwift or I'm riding on Ruby or I'm riding on whatever platform it might be, kind of much the same. But what's changed for me with regards to Zwift is now there's the interaction and the racing, and that's brought in the social aspect of it. So that's what's appealed to me. So with these longer rides, then you can communicate with other riders. Um, we'll have a good group in there, uh, just familiar names, etc. So um, yeah. So yeah, if you want to get amongst it, get in touch. I'll put a link to it in the show notes for today. So just one thing, John, because I noticed when you sent out the PR release this week, toilet stop. So how does that work? So you, we, I basically designate some you, – you don't urinate in your, in your garage or your shed or whatever you do it, <laughs> okay. but I'll designate a couple the of commitment? K- com- kilometre, kilometre markers. Uh, so, for example, at the weekend, I think it's going to be at 41 kilometres and 90 kilometres, and we'll designate um, – we're going to stop there, and the groups – you know, if, you, if you're with the front group – I'll say, right, we're stopping at 41 k's, and we'll restart at the – 90 minute mark and then we all roll out together so you can communicate with each other during the ride um, and then likewise we'll have a maybe have a team captain for the b and the c group and they can say all right we're going to roll out at one hour 46 or whatever so you just stop on the side of the road nip off the toilet uh, grab a drink another drink bottle and then you're off gotta say john um for those who are looking for good content to watch and i'm sure most of you guys have seen this we've got netflix the michael jordan documentary got released last night on netflix um, oh yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Well, I've already well, I sat up late and watched the first two episodes because <laughs> <It was laughs> right. normally we go to bed at nine and it turned up. I noticed it got about eight thirty. It's on. I was like, I'm, I'm gonna start up and watching this. Um, and funnily, because on um, Audible, Audible for Audible books, there's a book that came out recently called Playing for Keeps, and it's about Michael Jordan. And 
the book's about 18 hours long, so I'm about seven hours to go, but the documentary is going to be about 10 hours, and first two hours, like, it's going to be, it's a great doco. God, he was a legend. Mm, Un- unbelievable, man. Just Yeah, so if you do want some good content, make sure you check out that. I think it's called The Last Dance, which is because that was the last year, and that's what Phil Jackson called it, called it so check it out. Okay, this week's discussion. So the discussion was... What is a positive thing that you have learned about yourself through the lockdown period? A thing that you may not have learned if we hadn't have had this time. Jombo, you go first. Look at old Laura Siddle, the, that worryingly, I actually miss swimming. <laughs> yeah, which, which is probably the case for a few people. Yeah, I don't know, I'm not really missing it at the moment. And, and I enjoy my swimming. I'm just enjoying doing a few other things. But um, yeah, I think for those non-swimmers who often go, oh shit. I just got to go swimming again. Some of them are missing it. Yeah, there you go. Mick Simpson's got, I'm not learning, but reaffirming. Being a teacher isn't something I do because of money or the more often the holidays. I love my job, my students, and making a difference in people's lives. If I won the lottery tomorrow, I'd still want to work with young people trying to help them give them better opportunities. Nice work, Mick. Um, Tom Ward, my lack of skills in the kitchen was not linked to a lack of time to learn. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Melissa Yuri's got that triathlon isn't about racing. It's more about being fit, strong and healthy, both mentally and physically, instead of looking to do the next race. Alan Bryson, you do not need flash equipment to get quality indoor training. So he, he, Alan went from a fancy trainer to a good trainer, and now he's back on a, a fancy one again. So that comment from six days ago might have changed. There we go. We've got, we got Raymond, I'm going to say, Mayig, um, just an enlightenment that life is more fun if things are simple. Things are complicated because we set the ex- expectations too high for ourselves. Terry Bessidy's got a good one. The ability to let go of structured training and just have fun. Cycling on Zwift, um, John's 30-day challenge, running with the kids and dog, keeping active but giving the body and mind a little break from hard training. We've got Dana Kapur here, and she's got, um, every day for the last month has been exactly the same for me. It's just how I react to the day that changes, and there are lots of up and downs. I have more control over my emotions than I realised. Uh, Laura Siddle got a bit crazy down here. She can actually survive living with my family in the UK for more than a, f- a few days, three weeks and counting. I couldn't live with my family for more than three days, I don't think. Uh, maybe maybe a week. Oh, do you mean you're, you're not, your, not your kids and your wife? You mean the... the... I can handle my kids and my wife, but my, <laughs> living with my parents and my in-laws, uh, I'd say maybe a week might be my threshold. There you go, living on the edge. Uh, Hal Dolphin's got uh, that little... Uh, that what little walking can do when I go to work is a damn sight more than when I'm at home on lockdown. Good old Volker, the vascular Viking Voigt. Uh, that indoor riding on Zwift is not as horrible as I thought. It's uh, It still is just not as bad as I thought. Okay, uh, Kirk Langham has got, um, I have learned that some people are massive control freaks in this sport and there are Opinion is the only one that matters, and I've learned that I'm a massive piss taker, but I've always known that. <laughs> also, how much I need my wife and kids, uh, uh, they're hardworking and they do a great job. She does a great job. 
Last one I'll do, Jeremy the Canadian Hopwood. Uh, I've worked out ways to have kids to be part of my exercise a bit more. I'm running two to three Ks with my nine-year-old and the kiddos are also now playing Zwift and riding each day. So I would say that to parents, um, if you've got kids uh, who are into this sort of stuff and if you do have a, a spare trainer or you can let them get on your smart trainer if you want to, um, they have got free kids accounts on Zwift. Uh, so you can you need to fill in a different form. You don't sign up into the usual sign up period so just search for Zwift like no children's accounts or something like that uh, and they can have a free account in there and is it different like is it more fun gamey stuff or is it pretty much just Zwift it's the same and I think though there's some restrictions with regards to communication, communication and what have you so Thomas doesn't seem to get the messages um, when I post them to, to groups and stuff but he's he's absolutely addicted as we podcast now he's uh, in the garage uh, so at, uh, you've got a 7.20 in the morning he's already been going for about 45 minutes and he's uh, he's unlocking all the badges and all the different levels oh, and he's pretty pumped about it I'll finish with Tom Ward he's got my judgement of others in the past has not been accurate some people have added more value during this period than I ever imagined they could sadly the opposite is true for some too plus my dog is wonderful therapy yeah good one nice one there Tom John you. Uh, yeah, I think I've probably already expressed it today. I don't, I'm not being sponsored or anything by Zwift, but that's been the big change for me, actually getting into that. I don't think it's going to be something that I carry on further down the track um, at, to the same degree that I'm doing at the moment. But um, the Zwift Racing, I think, has been a, a really nice eye-opener. Uh, get that one, Bim. I own with my with my yeah, red eye. Red Bull. Uh, and uh, and then I'm also like another number of other people just doing a bit more with the kids. So for example, we went out last night and did about a six or seven k run. And uh, the good thing with my kids now is that they're at a level where running's still really easy with them, um, but it is actually not walking. So uh, yeah, what about, we're sort what about of, outside of fitness, is there anything else you've discovered that maybe you wouldn't have discovered without this time? Uh, it's just getting shit done that I've, <laughs> that I've been putting off for, for quite some time, rebuilding websites, etc., cetera, uh, and just yeah, just doing a bit more with the family, getting our almost daily instalment of The Chaser, quite enjoying that. You oh, know, that's five, a great show. Five o'clock ceiling. That is, that, to chase. me, it's the best game show of all time. Oh, I love it. It's great. <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a good cast of people, eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So who's, who's your favourite chaser? Probably The Duchess. Mm. She's, she's, she's got she's a cheek to her good. and she's pretty sharp no it's a good game I love uh, seeing when they crack but you know like when because the thing is when they crack they really crack don't they yeah you know, it's pretty yeah. rare because they're bloody geniuses but no it's a great show Bevan what about you well athletically I've talked about this a little bit recently but definitely that my best running years you know my fastest running years are probably behind me but I, if I want to get back into running I can and if you'd asked me before this do you think you're running at a, at a decent level is a part of your future and I probably would have said no because I was finding impact a bit harder on the body as I was starting to age but I've been doing it 60k a week I've been doing some good solid runs in there um you know like a, I've like I'm and, I, and I'm actually fine like I don't feel that it's a problem which is really so that's been really nice and it just kind of some I often talk about how we let age be an excuse and like, like for example for a lot of people when they get injured as they get older they blame age but they forget they've got injured their whole athletic career injury is just a part of movement um and so that's been a really nice thing for me outside of movement um but like you really just getting some projects done i've had a couple projects i want to get done which are really big projects 
for my business, but it's just it's that thing you never get done. Mm. Um, and, and, and one other thing I think that's really cool is what character, maybe this could be another discussion of the week, is what character traits are you glad you have at this period of time? Because you're probably the same, John, is that we have the ability, because we're self-employed and we're very much independent with our time, we, we, I, well, I haven't been wasteful in this time. I've been really mm. purposeful in this time. Uh, and I'm really glad that I have that character trait because I've got some good projects done, which, you know, were in the back burner, which may have never got done. So, you know, I'm kind of glad I have that character trait. So it's kind of reinforcing, if anything. Very good. Yeah. This week's discussion. So we have Tim Hemming here, and he's just sent through what have been the most amazing comebacks slash agonizing defeats in triathlon history. And if you can, can you include a video link so we can have a check of it? It's got to be. There's some gold ones. I've got a whole load that are springing to mind uh, very quickly. And I, I was actually just watching one yesterday that wasn't probably too agonising, but it was a good finish. It was uh, Alistair Brown, not Alistair, uh, Jonathan Brownlee versus Javier Gomez finishing in the one of the London rounds of the World Championship Series. And it was just a mano a mano one. It was, uh, and this, it was just like a really extended sort of sprint to the finish. And um, Gomez question, ended up taking out. Who is who is the best finisher of all time? Like in those situations, you know, like because you know you can't mm. say Brownlee is the greatest athlete of all time because, but he often dominated a race, wouldn't he? You know, like mm. and, and I'm not sure he maybe was the greatest finisher as well. But if you were to put just that guy when he's a packer for who was the best guy? Yeah, probably Miles Stewart would be uh, from Australia. So he uh, he was a big time big time race performer. Like he, he may have be very indifferent on the, the circuit throughout the season, but when it came to the world champs every year, A, he was a big time performer and he won several big sprints uh, in, in the races that he did. So I'd, I'd probably put him up, him up there. But there's a number of others. Michaela Jones won a number of sprint finish races as well. Um, also noticed her losing one the other day as well when I was watching something. Um, but on the female side, she was uh, exceptionally good in terms of as you said a finisher yeah yeah interesting times i guess that's, that's this week's discussion three two one oh, website website of the week okay john Bo, well the pto have started their own youtube channel and it's basically just interviewing a lot of the pros and it's actually really cool interviews i've watched a couple of them um they've got a host who seems to be hosting them um yeah it's good stuff so you go to ptohub.org, uh, and as Bevan said, that'll take you uh, then off if you want to watch anything onto to YouTube. Um, so yeah, at the moment, it's I think it's the, for, for a starting point, I think they only launched a couple of days ago, uh, a bunch of you know just little one-minute intros from a bunch of the stars, interviews with them, and I'm sure this is, you know, it's for, for, for a short-term activity, uh, and it's really good just to have some extra content to watch, but I think long-term this is going to be something that's really going to continue and and help everybody keep connecting with the pros and, and make sure that the PTO is uh, is heading in the right direction, which, you know, they're, they're sort of ticking all the boxes at the moment, so... Uh, yeah, I think it's a nice little uh, addition. I'm fascinated. If we could fast forward five years from now to see if this is what we hope it can be or if it is one of those things we go, oh, bugger. You know, I, I hope because I think this could have a massive impact on our sport. I really hope they get it right, but it's such a- Ma- it's money talking because that's why the, the the athletes are engaging in it, and that's why they're getting behind it. And you've got Daniela Reef, you've got Lucy Charles, you've got Sanders. Sebastian Keenlay, Sanders. All of them are getting involved because a 
they can actually see this is actually real. There is money here. I know the Collins Cup has been delayed, but they've been paid out um, this year-end bonus. That's great. They can see the Collins Cup if that happens, another great payday. So they're looking at it from a financial perspective. So they're all getting in behind it. So I think it's got some real momentum. In the, in the past, if this was just like PTO was in the past, it was just an organisation going, we want to support pro athletes' rights. and But there's not really what's in it for me, for a lot of the yeah. athletes, whereas the what's in it for me now is financially this is going to be great so they're getting in behind it so good bring on it, them. bring it on you know bring it on be so good for our sport okay john let's do one two three pros of the week, of the week. and we're going right. to do two pros john we've got we've got a man and a female we have indeed and the man the reason he his name sort of sprung up for me this week is it's anthony costas i'm not 100 sure how you pronounce that but i think it's costas uh he has been his name came up because he was spanking it in the zwift race at the weekend i think he might have finished third maybe uh so in the first of the pro triathletes race which is bloody impressive is the one i watched i think he got second second there yeah, you go. Yeah. um so because him and who was it who i mentioned before who won sanders it? and kershaw kershaw and that him took over sanders with like just over the line, it was pretty close. Yeah, so for Ironman athletes to be taking out, you know, uh, for an Ironman athlete who, in terms of his results, he's he's often there or thereabouts, but uh, to be able to beat the likes of Sanders and other short course athletes is pretty bloody impressive. Uh, so when I looked at his, his information, Anthony Costas, he's called the Tiger, and he started triathlon, uh, I think he did his first triathlon when he was about nine years of age. Uh, and he also looks like he's got a doctorate, uh, and, and his thesis is entitled, now this is a translation, so it's probably not a, a, the best translation, A New Approach to Cycling, the Sitting Dancing Transition as a Pretext for the Study of uh, optimization of the movement so obviously a bit of a smart cookie as well and uh, you, some of you may have seen him I think it was at the 70.3 world champs when it was in Nice he, he was the first one of the first athletes that I saw using the fancy aero bars they're called morph bars and they are the ones where you don't have like the bull horns they basically transition from being just two aero bars uh, sticking out the front and then you can kind of pull them back to being uh, sort of the 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 bull the bullhorns, so you don't have a full complete set of handlebars there. They look very funky, and they'll definitely give you some aerodynamic advantages. But they'd probably give me the shits the first time you use them. <laughs> It'd be pretty pretty freaky not knowing you haven't got those handlebars to sort of jump on a, an emergencies case. But I'm sure that uh, you do get used to them. So Anthony Costas, he finished uh, sixth at Ironman Western Australia. Um, which was one of the last Ironmans we had. Uh, geez, I wonder if that was the last Iron distance. No, Ironman New Zealand. We had Ironman New Zealand. Uh, so he finished sixth there in a time of 8.15.30. Um, he won in Monterey last year at a 70.3, but his big victory was Ironman Barcelona in 2017, where he went 7.4. 49.19, which is bloody impressive. Uh, he is an athlete that does have a lot of did-not finishes, and I've said that about him before. So to give you an example, he didn't finish uh, Mont-Tremblant last year, he didn't finish uh, um, Vittoria in Spain, and he didn't finish Frankfurt. And he didn't finish in the Philippines either uh, in a 70.3. So, yeah, lots of DNFs, but he's often um, there or thereabouts in terms of podiums. One Ironman win and uh, has raced the world championships as well. So a name to sort of keep uh, on the radar. And uh, he's often the one with the fancy gear. And he's obviously got uh, a pretty 
switch on brain to be able to get a doctorate as well. Yeah, awesome stuff. And then we've also got Anna Wilkinson. Wilkinson, we have, sorry. We have. So she's from South Africa and uh, she's, yeah, in terms of uh, age, sort of probably getting towards the end of her pro career, I would think. She's 38 years of age um, and she got third in Kona all the way back in 2015 as an age grouper in the 30 to 34 age group as she went 10.09 and now she's improved that down to be around about nine hours. She went nine hours 26 in Kona last year. Interesting thing about her, um, I'm not sure if I was on her Facebook page or if I was somewhere else. It looks like she's still a full-time worker and working big hours. She's a banker in South Africa. And and I think I read she was getting up at like 3 o'clock in the morning to do some of her training sessions before (laughs) before doing like a 10-hour workday. So clearly still doing very well um, despite – having to work full-time. She finished in 19th place in Hawaii last year. She <clears> went ninth uh, place in Australia uh, last year with a 9.20. Um, but her, and she's won a few races as well, won the 70.3 in Durban and in the South Africa 70.3 last year. But I think her big race was uh, finishing third place at Ironman South Africa, which qualified her for the Hawaii Ironman champs last year. Good times. Well, there you go. There is Anthony Costas and Anna Watkinson from South Africa. To Anna, Anna Watkinson. Oh, Anna, sorry, Watkinson. Um, good stuff. Good cup of pros here. Joe, guys, we've got an interview coming up. We've got an interview with Dr. Brad Cooper. He is uh, does performance psychology. He's the CEO of US Corporate Wellness and co-founder of the Catalyst Coaching Institute. He's going to be talking about mental toughness and some sleep studies he's been doing as well. Here is Brad right now. Righto, guys. So, uh, as we've told you, we've got a really good guest on today. He's been to Kona four times, so he, uh, he knows what it takes to get there. He's also done the ride across America, which uh, not many of us can say we've done. He's listened to us for quite a few years, but uh, for, for today's perspective, we're talking about um, performance psychology. Brad, uh, we've got Brad Cooper, and he's got a PhD in performance psychology, and uh, he's also the CEO of US Corporate Wellness and the co-founder of the Catalyst Coaching institute and uh so yeah we're going to be talking about all things with regards to sort of mental toughness today so brad welcome along to the show uh, it's fun to be here as, as we said before we hit that record button I, i've been listening to you guys for so long this is kind of fun to chat so t- tell us a bit about yourself in terms of you know what you sort of what your nine to five looks like and um where you're based and, and what you do with yourself yeah, quick background, uh, physical therapist, was in a kind of an executive type role with that. And then 14 years ago, we started U.S. Corporate Wellness and the Catalyst Coaching Institute, which is a, an institute that doesn't train triathlon coaches. It trains health and wellness coaches. So we do have a lot of triathlon coaches that go that route. But the purpose of it is not to train John to be a better triathlon coach. It's to get into the health, wellness, and, and performance side of that. So that's my day-to-day. Uh, been doing that 14 years, really Really been fortunate, meet a lot of cool people, and and uh, get to wake up every day knowing you're making a difference. You must have started that at the same time we started this podcast. Yeah, yeah, just about that time. <laughs> um, now I've got to ask a couple of questions about uh, RAM because I know there's a couple of different ways you can do um, the ride across America. You can do yeah. it supported, unsupported, etc. So maybe just tell us a little bit about the way you did it, um, how long it took, and just you know a couple of minutes sort of overview of what that was all about. Sure. Yeah, the race across America has been around as long as Ironman has. Uh, in fact, I think they started the same year or within 12 months of each other. And I had a buddy of mine come to me in 2014 
and say, hey, I got a question for you. Would you want to do this race across America as a two-person team? And I, I looked at him like, no. Like, why would anyone want to do that? That's ridiculous. I, I'm a triathlete. Most I'd ever ridden in my life on a training ride is probably 130, 140 miles. The race across America is a 3,000, slightly over, depending on the course that year. But it's just over 3,000 miles from Oceanside, California to Annapolis, Maryland. It's a running clock. Um, it starts in late June. And our goal was to finish in seven days. We finished just over that. We ended up winning the two-person uh, category. Yeah, they have they have single, and those guys are totally psycho. And they have two person, <laughs> they have four person, and then they have uh, I think they have eight person too. And that's more yeah. of a, almost like a corporate event where you team up and you only ride a couple hundred miles each. But in any case, amazing experience. They actually ended up. This guy followed us. He knew we had a chance to win. He followed us along, took some amazing footage, made a movie out of it. And so that came out in 2016, and that was kind of surreal to see yourself on the big screen across the country. So anyway, learned a lot, and, and I think in a lot of ways that led to the PhD because I, I got in a, a bike wreck six weeks before that race and fractured. Uh, I had four fractures in my pelvis, four ribs broken in my clavicle, and I didn't know if I'd get to race. And so this this journey of all of a sudden thinking it was a physiological test, thinking I'd done all this training, I put in the time, I've you know, done the, the all levels of training, I'm ready. And then six weeks before, I'm, I'm sitting there with eight fractures in my body, wondering if I'll get to ride. Obviously, that changed the race and depended a lot more on what was between the ears than what was in the legs. And that I came out of that with this, just this curiosity of, wow, like, what, what what was going on there? Like, why, why was it good some days and bad other days? Why was it good some moments and terrible other moments in terms of the mental toughness? And so that that led to me going back and getting a PhD to, to study this. And that was the topic of my dissertation was this concept of functional mental toughness. Just, just on the, on the so, RAM, like, did you, did you, what did you learn about, that, that, about yourself in that that you wouldn't have learned from Ironman? It's a different animal, brother. Uh, you, you know, Ironman on a on a good day, you're coming in under ten hours, and that's a long day. But in Ram, ten hours is like you, you haven't even started yet. So you know, uh, you're riding twelve to fifteen hours per day. You're sleeping three to four hours per night. You're doing it seven consecutive days, and that's in our category. That's not even the soloist. That's the two person group. Mm-hmm. So the 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 crazy thing to me, for example, there was this one section of the race we were probably day six ish or so and we were racing this german team and we weren't really racing them because they were a four-person team we were a two-person but the entire week they'd pass us we'd pass them they'd pass us we'd pass them and i was at my wits end like i didn't even care you can see in the film i'm literally barely pedaling i don't even care that i'm out there and all of a sudden uh my son who's doing this one of the support crew team he drives up next to us and he says there's someone coming and we think it's the Germans and you would have thought somebody, you know, popped an IV in with some, some kind of PEDs and, you know, ultimate levels of caffeine and everything. Cause I went from, I don't care, barely pedaling enough to stay upright on my bike to the best, you know, 45 minutes hour I'd had in a day and a half. And, and it was just, so it was those types of things, Bevan, that, that I just felt like, well, wait, wait a minute, nothing changed physiologically it was something else. And so that that's where my curiosity came out. Yeah, nice. nice. So I guess in, in terms of um, we all know what we think mental toughness means, but ha- yeah. for the purposes of you know doing this study, how do you actually define it and how do you actually measure mental toughness? 
Yeah, a, a lot of different tools and, and assessments that are out there. Uh, the the gentleman that I think in, in my research is the most respected in this area, he's actually not too far down the road. He's in Australia, uh, Daniel Gucciardi. So if folks are really wanting to dive into the tool that we used, he has a, a mental toughness assessment. It's called the MTI, and he's got it available on his website. So you could look him up. I believe he's with the University of Curtin. And uh, so, so you could look at that. That's the tool we use. It's relatively straightforward. It's eight questions. It, it's not one of those things where you've got to do, uh, you know, a 30-minute assessment. That's why we use it in our study because we could have people go do a run, come back, do the assessment, and go do something else. It, it wasn't this, okay, thank you. Now sit down for three hours and fill this thing out. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, that, that was the tool we used. My big... I, I guess my finding or my encouragement that came out of this was I think we so often see mental toughness as something somebody else maybe has or maybe we don't have enough of it or or maybe we think we're really good at it. And the reality is we may not be looking at mental toughness. We may be looking at something else. So that's where I want to peel those layers back and say, well, can this change? Can, can we take John's mental toughness and and see if it's different this afternoon than it was this morning or different next week than it was yesterday. Because if it is, then we, we, can, we can dig into that. We can say, well, why? And then if John knows if I do this, this, and this, it's better. How cool is that? I mean, that's just like training your, your physiology. You're able to say, okay, when I do, you know, a, a tempo run, it's shorter distance, six days out from a race, I tend to feel like I have more spark in my legs. Same thing. If you have that type of feedback for your, your mental toughness, then you can line things up heading into your big race or your big meeting or your big conversation with that family member that you haven't been looking forward to. And, and by lining those things up, you'll be better. So, so with the cool. subjects you were working with, what were you asking them to do? Uh, what were you measuring from them and you know, that you could then interpret into your results? Did a lot of different things. Uh, we had four studies published uh, in some international journals, and the probably the one that would be easiest to explain. I'll, I'll go through a couple of them. One, we looked at sleep. So we had people, and God bless them for doing this study because I would not have wanted to do it, but they volunteered to reduce their sleep to five hours a night and then increase their sleep to nine hours a night. And we looked at how <laughs> sleep impacted mental toughness and the outcomes. And so that was one example. Another time we looked at self-talk. That was the most recent study we had published. And to me, that was the most fascinating. That was with runners, three runners. They did a, a timed all-out 800. We did that four, four different times as a baseline. So you kind of wash out the learning curve. And then we gave them a personalized self-talk strategy. And we looked at how did that influence mental toughness? And how does that influence their 800-meter times? And it was pretty interesting what happened. So while while we're on that that, that topic there, I, I had um, I've got a couple of the other studies I want to go to in a bit more detail. But to tell us with with that eight hundred meter one, um, what were the things that made the difference? First of all, it had to be personalized. So what works for you might not work for me. What works for Bevan might not work for you. So we we definitely personalize it. So during those first four, we were finding out, well, what, what are you saying now? What, what's going on in your head now? What, what, what are you telling yourself? That kind of thing. So, so that was part of it. And then we tweaked it over time. But, it, John, it was so interesting because 
there was if you look at the curve and, and i don't know how uh, how many things we publish in that in terms of the, our diagrams because some of it's online some of it's offline but if you look at the curves you can see on the day we implemented the self-talk you see this whoop in mental toughness really? and same thing with the times i mean it is overall they they improve six nine and twelve percent and if uh, you put in that in context now, now keep in mind. Let's let's not over exaggerate this because this is, you know, you know, it's fun to talk about. It's funny to go, oh, wow, twelve percent. That's awesome. Let's let's be realistic here. These were not eight hundred meter specialists, so we're not saying mm -hmm. a college coach could grab my study, go to his team, and say, all right, fellas, we're gonna do this self talk, and you're all gonna improve nine percent. That's not gonna happen. These were not mm -hmm. specialists, but but they were runners, and they did improve a substantial amount on the day that we implemented that self talk. So yeah, it was it was pretty fascinating. And, and mm -hmm. by the way, for for uh, context-wise, caffeine, which is generally seen as the single most powerful legal performance enhancer, that's a two point three percent improvement on average. So we're mm -hmm. getting more out of self-talk than people are getting out of caffeine. Mm. Um, so what main study that I sort of read over that you were, you were you were doing it was the exploratory case of mental toughness variability and potential influences over thirty days. So sort of read read over your study. Um, yeah. And so what what were you kind of looking at in this study? You had athletes basically um, being tracked for thirty days, and they were going to do five sort of key sessions during that thirty day period, and then you were trying to sort of work on those five different sessions and identify their levels of mental toughness and, and what influenced it. So maybe just run us through, you know, in, in your words, what you were trying to do and then um, how you were kind of measuring things as you went through and, and some of the results. Yeah. So the, the first study that was a precursor to that was what's called an autoethnography. So that's just me identifying what's seen. So it's a single, it's not even a case study. It's just an autoethnography, thinking back to what happened here, here, and here. And, and what we used for that as a baseline was the year that I did race across America after the wreck, uh, qualify for Hawaii and run a sub three hour marathon at age 49. So doing those three and looking back and seeing what was going on between the ears during those three things was their variability. And, and my recollection, again, just recollection, was yes, there's variability. So the study you're talking about was the follow-up where we said, okay, it's, it's true in one person, potentially, but is it really true or is, that, is, is Brad just an anomaly? So we, we had these athletes that you mentioned, and they were, again, amazing, great participants. You, you tend to have in studies like this a significant drop-off because they're having to record a lot of different things. Nobody dropped off. Like every single one of them stayed the course. So, so that was super cool and a, and a huge credit to them. And then we looked at, as you said in the, the description, did it vary? Because that's a big question in the research. Does mental toughness vary? Because if, if John just has X level, let's say you have an 89 on a 100-point scale and I have a 62 mm -hmm. and Bevan has a 94, that who, to me, who cares? Like why does that matter? Because if it just is – it's kind of like saying, well, you have blue eyes and, you know, that's a big, who cares? It's not changing. So if we can see variability, if we found variability in these 13 people, well, that's interesting. And now we can peel back and say, what were some of the things that seemed to lead to it? And then that drove our third and fourth studies of saying, okay, sleep seems to be a big one. Self-talk seems to be a big one. Let's dig into those even deeper. 
Mm. So you, you sort of identified th three themes that came out um, that sort of affected that state of mental toughness, one being thrive, one being um, preparing, one being what you called activate. So maybe run through those three and, and whether or not particular ones had more of a weighting in terms of how well people were uh, or the level of mental toughness. Yeah, that's that's one of the things I loved about this is it came out to be somewhat clear. You know, you you look at most of the mental toughness books and videos and that kind of stuff, and it it seems to be if you're a Navy SEAL, you're good to go. If you're not, sorry, buddy, you know, you're just not going to have it. So what I loved about this model is it it just makes it so. I don't want to say, maybe I could say simple, not easy. So it's simple in that it's, it's three things. It's thrive, it's prepare, and it's activate. And if you think about this as a bank, I, I, I may have sent you the diagram, but the way the diagram is laid out is you've got this bank in the middle. And that's, if you can picture your functional mental toughness, and we use the word functional to get away from the, the classic Ugh, I'm so tough. I don't care. Mm. Like, get out of here. I, you're, you're just making, you're an actor. So let's talk about what really matters. And that's the functional aspect of it. So think of that as a bank and the three things that fill your bank or allow you to utilize the funds in that bank are to prepare and activate. So if we're talking about a bank, we're, we're talking about something, we want to fill up our account as much as we can. That's, that's a helpful thing. The second thing you want to do is avoid leakage. You don't want to get your bank statement at the end of the month and find out you had some $8 charge for an overdraft here and a $7 charge. It's, you look at that, you just go, oh, are you kidding me? Same thing with mental toughness. Why use it on something you don't need to use it for? Let's save it for the stuff that matters. And then the activate is the idea with your bank account of it doesn't do any good to have that money sitting there if you can't get to it. So activate is in the moment, in that race, in that big meeting, in that tough conversation, how do I pull it out to most effectively utilize it? So that's the the, the basics of that model. And so with this, oh, so, just with this, so when you you've got here kind of like thrive means life, prepare means purpose of the work <coughs> out, and activate means self talk. Can you kind of break down those to a bit more detail? Like if I'm going listening to what you're talking to about right now, how do I apply this to be successful so I can nail all three of those? Yeah. What, oh, and and by the way, we are in the beta testing of of a an assessment that will be freely available. So I can send you guys the link when that's ready, but it's, yeah, okay. it's, it goes through what you're asking. So it allows you in 15 minutes to go through, answer a bunch of questions, totally free to whoever wants to do it. And then you get your three that appear to be the ones that you could work on the most. So when you said thrive is life. Yeah. But it's, it's like, 15 things under, you know, it'd be th things like sleep. It'd be things like strategic caffeine. It'd be things like tuning into how the stress is affecting you. It, it would it'd be identifying, you know, how you're eating. So it's your basic foundation of well-being. So if you think of all the categories under well-being, yeah. that would be a good way to look at Thrive. So so that would be one thing you could do. You could say, okay, and, and by the way, I mean, you, you don't want to try to change seven of these at once. Yeah. It doesn't work. Just like anything in, in terms of behavior change, you want to identify one, maybe two, and then work on it. So, so that would be the thrive piece is that foundational well-being. The prepare, again, depending on what we're talking about. Are we talking about a, a meeting at work? Are we talking about a presentation? Are we talking about a relationship? Are we talking about a race? Are we talking about a certain point in the race? Then you're going to prepare for that specifically in advance. So a lot of examples we could go through here. But um, well, let me, I'll, I'll give you a simple one that comes up a lot in in endurance athletics. We all know about start with why. We all know about goal setting. 
the, <laughs> the problem is we do it in the wrong order in most cases. Even though the, the book is called Start With Why, most people say, I go back to why. So we set these goals. We're like, okay, I'm going to do my, uh, I'm going to do Ironman Arizona this fall. My goal is to qualify for Kona for 2021. And um, it's on the calendar. I paid for it. I'm ready to go. And then you go, oh, I forgot to do my why. Well, let's see. Um, and then you're retrofitting. And then you're, <laughs> so what, what, what we encourage in the prepare phase is take something you already know about why and goal setting and, and flip it before you even pick a race, get really, really clear about the why, because when the times are tough, when you're trying to get that five hour ride in on a Saturday morning, when your kids have soccer. So that means you got to be on that bike by 5 AM and it's dark. So you're going to be in your basement for all five hours. Is your why strong enough to sustain you through that? So, so that would be an example or, um, reflection is one that comes under preparation. I think we miss that a lot as endurance athletes. We're just like rise and grind, baby, rise and grind. Let's get in there. Let's do this thing. Let's get it done. Let's move forward. And we, we don't do a good job of reflecting on. So what was I thinking that morning where that, that run was just awful? Like what was going through my head that day? So that would be another example of prepare is that reflection piece. And I know you, you do a lot of stuff about the reflecting and, and pondering that kind of stuff. So, so that would be the prepare The activate can be self-talk, but it's not just self-talk. So for example, um, we did an interview on the, the Cattle's Health Wellness Performance podcast with Chrissy Wellington. And we were joking about, I mean, she's known as Chrissy Smiles. That's her, that's her Twitter feed. Mm. And we were, we were talking about that. And I was saying, so Chrissy, you know, you, <laughs> you smile. Like, had you read the research? You know, you see Kipchoge in the two-hour marathon attempt right up into the last mile. He's, he's smiling, at least pretending to smile. And, and so I was asking her, Did, were you doing that because of the research? And, and she just laughed. She's like, no, I, Brad, no, I knew nothing about it. I just wanted to help. You know, we don't have a lot of Ironman as much as it's big to all of us. Isn't a big sport in terms of fans and non-family member fans. She said, "I just wanted to like thank people for being out there. So when I'd run by people, I'd smile at them." And she said, "This weird thing happened. They'd smile back, and that would give me a lift." And so that's an example of not something we found in our research, but there is research on the smiling. But what are those things that in that moment on the course as you come down? up out of energy lab and you're going, oh my gosh, I, I swear I'm going to die if I haven't already. Now, what do we draw on to activate that little bit of extra mental toughness? And that would be a simple example. So, so a lot of things that fall under each one of those, but those are some simple examples. Awesome. Really, really good example. Just, 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 sorry, um, just one more thing. Just, you talk about self-talk and you talk about how it's very personalized, but if I'm listening to you right now, how, what are some basic things that I want to be able to do to apply self-talk into my training? Sure. Great question. And we literally, and, and I know I'm preaching the choir because you've done some, a lot of research on self-talk, but it goes so deep. We could literally do a you know, two-day talk on self-talk. But just to give a couple basics to your listeners, there, there are two great places to start, and that's instructional or motivational completely different. I, I just, we, we just did a little video on our, our YouTube channel uh, about self-talk yesterday. And so I was conversing with somebody about it this morning and he was saying, well, it doesn't do me any good to do the positive self-talk thing. And I, and I just went back and said, that's very, very possible. There's, there's no question. But at a basic level, there are two different types of self-talk. Frankly, there are about a hundred different types, but at a basic level, there's instructional and there's motivational. So yeah, the motivational may not be best for you. You may do better with instructional where you say, okay, I'm really hurting in my 
driving with my arms? Am I pushing off my first toe? Am I lifting my hip? Am I relaxing my head? You know, those kinds of things would be instructional self-talk. Motivational is what it sounds like. Come on, Coop, you got this. Come on, buddy, you can do this. Just get up that hill. You can do this. Come on. So that would be a, a, at a basic level, the difference between those two. Mm. Some of them, I find they help me in different times. Other people find one is super helpful. The other one's a waste of time. Other people flip those two. So th- does that help? Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. I, I like it. That it, it's not a it's not a fixed thing. It's it's a it's a it's sort of moving all the time. Because I'm I'm totally the same as you. For um, or for, no, for me personally, a lot of the time it would be instructional stuff. But there is there is the odd time where the motivational kicks in as well. Um, with regards to the sleep study you mentioned earlier on, um, again, it sounded pretty interesting with uh, <laughs> restricting how much people can have. What were some of the key ta- take homes from that in terms of the effect of sleep on people's mental toughness a lot of interesting stuff one of the things that i remember from this that i i've talked to a lot of folks about is we were looking at sleep but in the process of looking at sleep we found that the people that did well because not everybody saw a drop in their mental toughness with the the decrease in sleep but those who didn't it was really interesting because we did follow this is a qualitative study we did a follow-up interviews with these folks to find out you know, what happened? What'd you feel? What was it like? What'd you do differently? And the people that didn't see a big impact in sleep on their mental toughness described these other strategies they'd use. Like one guy said, I knew I was going to do this study. So I treated it. He's an Ironman. He said, I treated it as a race. So I built up, I kind of banked some extra sleep beforehand. <laughs> I, I routinized all the things that I had to do that week at work. So he had in advance wrote out a lot of things so he wouldn't have to think as much. So those kinds of things were fascinating to me because they didn't tell us about sleep. They told us about other strategies that you can utilize. And just for me personally, I I struggle with sleep at times. And doing that study, coming out of that, saying, oh, I I remember, you know, person A, he he would do this, this, and this when he didn't sleep. And that helped him kind of alleviate the negative results. And so those are things that we can do too. So it's just a good reminder that it's not all about one thing. It's not about sleep. It's not just about self-talk. It's not just about having your why or your goals or thriving. It's all of these things. And, and that's what I get excited about because you can then take anyone, anyone who cares and help them improve their functional mental toughness. There, there, no one's off limits. You don't have to be a David Goggins. You don't have to be, you know, gritting your teeth and going out there with a broken leg. You can just desire to improve. And by picking one thing, you can improve. Well, that's a good point because often the thing about this, and, and one of the downfalls for many triathletes is we love to train. And, we, and, and when yep. we think about training, we think of so much time in the physical side of our sport. And it's a very... Yep consuming sport when we think about the physical side of the sport uh we neglect this side you know when you think of how many hours of training in comparison to how much time you spend on the mental side of the game it's 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 a one percent game really isn't it and so how do you encourage people to actually spend more time on the mental so they can be more effective in in their training that's such a great question because I, I was one of those people you're describing before Ram. Um, I did not spend. In fact, if you read the autoethnography, John, you can. I think you can pull it from the same mm-hmm. spot as the other one. Uh, I talk about the fact that, yeah, I did exactly what Bevan's talking about. I'd spend, you know, 20, 25 hours a week training physically and like zero doing the other stuff. Um, during Ram, I think that shifted me a, a little bit. I would do things like 
Uh, well, especially that last six weeks when I had the, the fractures, the docs allowed me to get back on the bike after surgery, but I couldn't go outside because they were afraid if any wreck, even if I just hit some sand and fell on my side, it would it would shatter these non-displaced fractures. So they allowed me to train indoors. So I tried to get real creative with things to stretch that other piece, knowing I wouldn't be 100% physiologically. And so one of the things I do is I and, and don't laugh at me too hard here because my friends already do, but I would take a target and I'd set it in front of me on the table in front of the, the bike and I'd be sitting in arrow and I'd just stare at that target. No TV, no podcast, no music, nothing. It was just me in the basement on the computer trainer staring at that target and just trying to stare at the center of it as long as I possibly could. And when I get distracted, when I lose my concentration, I'd be like, okay, reset. And I'd work on the way out. So I'd go outer ring, middle, and I'd actually connect things to that. So for the outer ring, I'd think of things like, what's your form? Are your shoulders relaxed? Are you are you leaning into the arrow bars? The next one I might be, how's your fueling? Have you eaten lately? Have you had something to drink lately? And then I'd work my way in. And so I use that, not knowing anything about this stuff at the time, I just use that as a self-created strategy prior to doing the, the research on this that would allow me to focus in more. Because when you're doing RAM, you might be out there for three, four, five, six hours at a time trying to do your best and you knew music at some point starts to wear off so can i do that in my basement mm. awesome i oh, know there's been some great tips and, and you may have heard um we've had some other people talking about mental side of things in the last uh, little period as well so hopefully uh, just us talking about it will um activate people to actually start to take this uh, on board and actually realize the performance gains they can get from it um if people love what they're hearing from you today um you've got your own podcast but just tell us you know how, how people can follow you and uh stay in touch and listen to what you're up to yeah, the podcast is the Catalyst Health, Wellness, and Performance Podcast. The YouTube channel is the Health, Wellness, and Performance Coaching channel. And then Twitter is at Catalyst, the number two, Thrive. And then if they've got any specific questions, uh, my email is bcooper, B-C-O-O-P-E-R, at uscorporatewellness.com. And just lastly, awesome. if someone does want to get involved in being a coach uh, under your system, what's, what's the process they go through? Yeah, the best place to go through, just take a look at catalystcoachinginstitute.com. That's the, and it's one of the nationally accredited health and wellness coaching certifications. Uh, it can all be done remotely, so it's available to anyone in the world. And uh, it, it, it's even for triathlon coaches and, and endurance coaches, we've had a lot of folks go through that as a way to expand their potential audience. So instead of being restricted to specifically endurance oriented individuals they might have folks that start off as wellness coaches or wellness clients that eventually end up doing that 5k that half marathon that ironman etc or vice versa the person that does the ironman because it was a bucket list item and now they're done instead of stopping coaching with you now they move into maybe a lower cost package where you're doing more health and wellness with them so yeah it's catalystcoachinginstitute.com and happy to answer any questions about that nice and have you got any uh, athletic goals on the horizon yourself I do. Uh, if I can stay healthy, I turn 54 next week. So next year will be my new age group. Uh, oh, I will, nice. yeah, I'll be heading off to Ironman Arizona this fall to remind myself what a transition feels like. And then nice. the goal is to qualify for Kona age 55 and see if I can hit the podium using some of these techniques. Oh, good stuff. And what, what, have you, what have your Kona experiences been, been like? You've been there Awful. four times. Um, <laughs> 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 Join the club. Yeah. Dude, seriously, I have not figured out Ironman. I've had a couple of decent races, but nothing spectacular. And 
I, my, my, my problem is my gut. I, I get out there. And so I keep fiddling, I keep fiddling, I keep fiddling. And I think I have a potential, I think I, I have a bad reaction to caffeine and I've, I, I, it's almost like that sirens song where I'm like, yeah, that's probably it. But just for this race, I'm going to use it. Ew, and then I end up walking cause I can't even stand up straight after mile 17 or whatever. So I think if I can get that figured out, uh, it'll be a good day. I've just got to get that figured out. Brilliant. The mystery awesome. of Iron Love Man, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Love talking with you, Brad. And thanks so that much uh, for your time. And uh, all the best uh, with what's lying in front and view. And we'll keep an eye on that result later in the year. That's great. Appreciate it, guys. Keep up the great work. Awesome, mate. Love your work. And we are back. We've done that interview after this part, so we don't actually know what it was, but I'm sure Brad was absolute legend. I'll put a link to his website, drbradcooper.com, on www.imtalk.me, so you can get all the information and stuff he talked about there. Now, John, let's go into Wanger of the Week. One, two, three, Wanger of the Week. Of the week. I'm going to say number five, because apparently you're going to be riding for five hours on the weekend. Arnold Sulikoff, he went... Oh, uh, nice. 20, 23 hours and 35 minutes uh, last week from 20 activities. Uh, that was 23 hours on the bike. He did 26 hours and 25 all up. So Arnov, I'm not sure where Arnov based himself at the moment. I think he's back in uh, – well, he was living in Singapore, but I think he's possibly back in uh, – he's on Zwift this week uh, – He's, I think he's either back in France or Switzerland. So let's have a bit of a comparison. His biggest ride that he's ever done is 365.1 kilometres. Holy schmoly, that is a decent ride. Um, so rides. <laughs> that is a, that's the definition of a decent ride. Yeah. It's, uh, his average time so far this year is 19 hours and 12 minutes per week. And in terms of his Strava distance, uh, he's only done 23,000. So obviously hasn't been on Strava for quite as long. But yeah, biggest ride, 365 kilometres. Biggest climb, uh, 1,389 metres. So he hasn't done some of the real kahunas quite yet so good old Arnov often a regular uh, contributor to the show and helps people out as well I remember when we were in Roth the first year um, and the fillinator he had damage to his bike wheel uh, heading over there and we sort of put a call out can anybody help out because Phil doesn't have a wheel to race on and good old Arnov uh, made the trip to where we were staying and helped out and lent Phil a wheel to use in the race yeah good he's a good man and he's definitely someone who's big in his community he really helps out a lot his community and it's a good thing to be a good athlete but to be a part of your community is an important thing as well so well done Arnold you are our just, wanger of the week just got to give uh, our number one wanger from last week as well Neil Thompson from Walton on Thames in the UK has got a private profile here but he did uh, 44 hours Ooh. 49 49 hours last week with uh, 44 hours of riding so that's a lot of riding in one week John who are the guys who were doing the um the marathon over 24 hours. A bunch of people have done it. I've seen Craig Kirkwood did it. I think Rob Dallymore did it. And I saw also Cam Harper, I think, did it as well. So I'm not sure if it was a group thing. Uh, but, yeah, a number of people have done that. And do you know what they've, what they've said after the fact? Uh, I think it gets pretty painful after a while. Oh, really? Um, and just – just, you've got to go out there every hour. I'm sure there's – if you – if you wanted to do it strategically, you'd go at the end of an hour and then the start of the next hour, um, or do you set yourself a harder rule going as the clock strikes? Uh, no, you've got to do it. You've got to do it on on the same hour. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't uh, know. That's just my theory. 
Yes, so uh, I haven't directly spoken to anybody that's done it. It's not something that's on my radar, though. However, Bevan, I have got a running challenge that coming up that you might be interested. Uh, for May, I'm planning on running uh, a minimum 5K every day for May. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking <laughs> I need a bit of a rest. That's <laughs> what I'm thinking. <laughs> Although, yeah, I've got, I like our 60K challenge because it means you can have days off. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm, I've found because... You know, as much as I've liked getting back into running and kind of enjoying getting into running, um, I don't know if I like the idea of you know you feel sore, you can have a day off and pick up a few k's the next day. But yeah. hey, okay, so I'm on I'm on Rob or oh, Damon Clark, and this guy's done the 24 hours, and he doesn't look like he's happy at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> so so there we go. I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what the body effects are. So just to reaffirm, if you, if you are interested in that challenge, you basically got to run one mile every hour for 24 hours. Okay, so Andy Barker's got here. Uh, we've only done it, uh, we've only gone, and, we've gone and done it. Marathon in 26 hours. One of the toughest, most bizarre things I've ever done. Getting up in the middle of the night to run a mile is quite odd and to say the least. Uh, so yeah, so Andy's saying it's one of the toughest things he's done. Mm. Yeah, Rob Dallimore. I tell you, one thing about Rob Dallimore, he has shaved his legs well. Mm. Ask, ask Rob, ask Rob Bailey more about his uh, his sprinting ability and his swift races. Oh, really? Not sharp? No, it is probably pretty sharp. But but somebody I know beat him by about point one of a second oh. uh, at the weekend. Okay, nice. Okay, well, Rob, what well on shaving your legs and the marathon? Okay, questions and answers. We got a couple here. Got um, I got where is this from? It's from Kai McBride, uh, and Kai Longboard McBride, and I just sent through a clip for those who are a little bit nostalgic about Alihi Drive and, and what's happening in Kona right now because it's dead town right now. There's no, there's no bloody cruise ships going into Kona right now, is there, John? There isn't. So he's basically taken a, a video clip of just driving down Lee Drive and all the different spots. And this was taken, I think, you know, maybe a week or two ago. So it's uh, it'll probably be even quieter now. That being said, so that's a bit of a downer, you know, kind of being really quiet and obviously not not great for anybody over there. On the upside, one of the things I am looking forward to about going back to Kona, whether or not we make it there in October, is is. Un- unknown but Kona Bike Works um, so the big bike shop in Kona has moved so that if, for those who have been to Kona you'll know where it is for those that haven't been to Kona it's kind of in this industrial area that was a bit of a pain in the ass to get to it was just yeah, yeah. just in, a, in an odd sort of area they've actually moved down to um, uh, sort of into, into town it's going to be a much better location it looks like a really cool store uh, and I think it's just sort of off Palani somewhere so um, yeah it's going to be a bit more convenient Good times, rock and roll. We've also got another great email here from Lucy Francis. and She was just sending us through an article from a Bob Babbitt book. Um, and it was talking about, it must have been, what year was the race, John? I'm not quite sure. But how Mark Allen turned up the day before the race, or the week before the race, and he had this kind of attachment that went from his hips through to the front stem of his bike. And he was saying how, basically, it was called the seat leash, and how he wore it to kind of confuse other athletes, ultimately, wasn't it? Because what was the thing? Do you well, know much about this? Uh, no, I don't. I've, ne- I've never seen it before, but it was devised by um, Steve Head, who from Head Cycling, who sadly has passed away, but he was a, one of the really amazing yeah, yes. early innovators of our sport. Um, so my thinking is uh, what it was supposed to be doing is trying to pull you forward a bit on your seat. So, you know, a big part of triathlon in the 80s and 90s was trying to get as far forward as you can. And so people were like reversing their seat posts and doing various different things to go further forward 
on their bike. And so I guess the idea with this was it was uh, attached to your hips. It was trying to pull you forward to try to get more into that sort of running um, position before we had uh, all the different devices like forward seat posts and, and TT bikes, etc. So so that was the theory. Whether or not it worked that well, uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure. But the, the story was that, that Lucy sent through. He, he got it and he wasn't sure whether he should try it or not and he was going out um, training and then he saw Mike Pig riding up near him and he was try- not sure whether he should he was trying to hide from him and trying to sort of shield his face so Pig wouldn't see it so he wouldn't have that, uh, wouldn't know about his little secret extra thing. So I guess this sort of also goes back to you know like the 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 Nike Freeze and all this sort of stuff. We're not Nike Freeze, what are they called? Um, Vaporflies. Vaporflies is you know. Everybody's always been looking for that little advantage, and and a lot of us, myself included, are jumping on this bandwagon, going, "Oh, you should ban all these things." But guys in triathlon, especially, have always been looking for that you know equipment boost that can give you give them the extra edge over other people. Well, in the article as well, he kind of talks. Mark talks about a little bit about kind of just creating a bit of confusion for your for your competitors, you know. And he was just saying how everyone turned up on race day with one of these, you know one of these bands because it's basically they're thinking well if Mark's got it it must be good and it's yeah. kind of it was kind of just that kind of psychological game in messing with people in their head when they're doing the racing as well so it's a great little article thanks for sending it through loose uh, okay John that's this week's questions and answers let's talk about a patron we've got a new patron to the show Jonbo we have. I haven't met this fella before. I may have done, but he uh, he lives just down the road from from us, Bevan. He's oh, really? a local Christchurch boy, Luke Parker. Uh, loves the outdoors. Got uh, recently started into triathlon and loves the challenge. So uh, I don't know if you've got a nickname for Luke yet, Bevan. I'm gonna I'm going on to the darts nickname generator for how Luke. About, how about see- the cover up? Okay, well let's see what. Let's- can you tell you why I'm saying the cover up? Because <laughs> he's Hold Parker. On. He's wearing a Parker. Okay. Luke, the cover-up Parker. <laughs> I think that's better than what the uh, the nickname generators directed for you there, Luke. Luke, the poodle Parker. <laughs> no, we're going to call him Luke the poodle Parker. Luke the poodle. So we're, no, we're the cover-up. The, the cover-up. Yeah, because he keeps everything under wraps and then smashes at the end. Awesome. Luke, the cover-up Parker. Yeah. Huge thanks. We have had uh, several new patrons come on, and several of them been from Christchurch recently, and a couple of people have been upping the ante with their patronage as well, which we really appreciate oh, uh, yeah, at these sorry, times. Yeah. As Bevan said, both of us are self-employed, and both of us are sitting on our jacksies um, for some of the time at the moment with things drying up. So really, really appreciate the support of all our patrons. Yeah, it really does mean a lot. Thank you to all the patrons. If you do want to become a patron, just go to www.imtalk.me. Uh, on the front page, say support us, go through to there and go through the process. You get a, a gift, uh, you're going to draw to win a trip to Kona off the boys, um, but more importantly, just support us and what we're doing each week, and if you, this is a good part of your triathlon life, it really makes a difference for us. So a good way to think about it is a cup of coffee a week, kind of a nice way to support the boys. Um, if you want some coaching, go to coachjohnnewsome.com. If you want to check out my podcast, I had a great interview with a, a leading fitness professional from Canada yesterday, uh, bevanjamesisles.com. If you want to send us some content, Age group of the week, call websites to other feedback. Uh, I am taught podcast at gmail.com. Jombo, what's the goss? 
Just to rewind there, it do seem through some age groupers of the week from last year because, you know, at this time of the year we're sort of uh, struggling for a bit of content. So if you can think back to some people that inspired you or impressed you very much uh, sort of during last season, now would be a great time to have a few more age groupers of the week. Bevan, my gosh, um, I broke my cycling streak yesterday, um, intentionally so. So I'm not Because you do 30 days, did you do 30? I did 30. I think I did end up doing maybe 32 or 33 days in the end. Uh, Continuous, not continuous bike but biking on consecutive days uh, and it was a really nice little challenge and a lot of the others that have done it um, found it very motivating so it was nice to be able to to get some people to give them some structure around their training and just to mix it up a little bit a bit like Thierry said sometimes it was just a case of getting on there and riding sometimes it was a case of doing some racing and just mixing it all up so that's over I'm going to tick over the next uh, this, this week is going to be uh, extremely painful on the bike actually Bevan because tomorrow I'm doing a, a bit of a TT up the Alp de Zwift, um, which is you know, around about a 45 to minute climb for me, um, which is going to be an all-in effort. And then going to do a, another one of the Try and Z bike races on Saturday. Um, finally managed to get things right last weekend, which was great. But got another one of them on Saturday, and then the Uber Pretzel on Sunday. So you, it's going to be a it, it's going to be a very tough bike week. So uh, and then I'm also going to be progressing back into a bit of running running every second day for the rest of this month just to get my legs ready for uh running every day next month so that's what's been happening on the training front um there's got to be two types of people really isn't there? there's got to be people who come out of this time fit and ready to go Mm. And then there's going to be a lot of people who are going to get injured pretty quickly. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of people that are going to be swimming really poorly when they come out of this. But yeah, as you said, a lot of people will be biking really well coming out of this. Well, which even, is, even uh, at the gym, we've been talking about, just with us kind of instructors, we've been talking about, you've got to make sure people understand they have to recondition because there's going mm. to be so many people who come back. You know, And these are people with pretty hardcore exercises but have lost a bit of discipline through this time. They're going to come back and they're going to try to be what they are. And we, We've got to say, look, oh, give give a give it yeah. a month, guys. Give it a month, you know, because yeah. if you haven't done pretty much anything for a month, you, you're not a good place to be. Mm, exactly. So outside of that, Bevan, um, yeah, looking forward to the Michael Jordan series uh, for a bit of bit of viewing action. Michael Jordan is one of the reasons I failed school, John. Was he? Yep, yeah. Because when I was in the fifth form year, it was, or maybe fifth form, fifth form or fourth form, uh, the NBA's finals were on when you were meant to be studying for your exams. Right. And I, I didn't miss one minute of the NBA finals. And, <laughs> and I didn't do that well in my exams. <laughs> so, yeah. so there's a good reason for that. Oh, you should send Michael Jordan an email. Yep. So, so you, you owe me, cut me some of those billions. Exactly. Um, anything else happening? Uh, in my world, John, no. So for those who don't know, in New Zealand, we are going back a level. But it, so we, we've got level four. I've got to say, New Zealand, we are managing this well. You, you, it's a bit of a proud moment for Kiwis right now, isn't it, John? It is, but it's really hard for us to compare ourselves to the rest of the world. We're so sparsely populated. Uh, it's quite a bit easier for us, and it's oh, easy for us easy for us to point the finger going, all those people on that beach over there, whereas most of us are at exercising as well. We just don't have the population to make it look quite so hey, crowded. Just so, take the credit, yeah. John. Just take the credit. Yeah. New Zealand, we're legends. Um, but we are going to level three, which basically means for John and I, it's still another three weeks of this place we are at right now. Um, but it is, fingers crossed, in three weeks from now we can get to level two because that would be when it would be really good to get back to life. I'm, and you know what, I'm managing this well, but I am looking forward to just seeing my peeps. Mm, exactly. You know, that's what it's about. But outside that, John, it's same day, different day every day. 
That's right. We're going to go off and do our interviews. So uh, we'll be back with you guys next week. And uh, remember, if you want to do the Uber pretzel on Sunday New Zealand time, Saturday night uh, sort of European time, uh, get in touch and uh, join the crew. Okay. Let's wrap it up, John Boo. I'm Russ. I'm Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia ka. Ka.